Melissa Moore, Spirit Radio, thank you so much for joining me for my show, Faith, Hope, Love, where we grow together in our faith, increase in hope, and learn how to love God and love other people. Today, I am joined by a special guest, Joanna Weaver. She just released her latest book, Embracing Trust. Her book, Mary Hart and Martha World, was such a blessing to me. I've read it five times, and so if you haven't read it yet, definitely read that, but make sure you pick up a copy of Embracing Trust. But today, we have the opportunity to chat with Joanna Weaver herself, so Joanna, thank you so much much for joining me. If you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and maybe sharing a little bit about your journey towards embracing trust. Yeah. Well, first of all, Melissa, thank you for having me on your podcast again. I loved our time last time. So it's an honor and I'm just so proud of what you're letting Jesus do through you. Um, embracing trust. Well, actually, this is the book that I wanted to write ever since having a Mary Hart in a Martha world came out over 20 years ago, which just seems like unbelievable that it's that long, but also just unbelievable that finally the Lord released me to write this message because I'm I'm just firmly convinced that trust is the pivotal point on which our Christianity rests. I really believe it determines whether we have that victorious, joyful, peaceful life that we were made for. In fact, I love the title of your show, Faith, Hope, and Love, because I've been thinking about that word hope and, you know, Romans 13, 13, excuse me, Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope cause you to overflow with joy and peace. And isn't that what we want? You know, joy and peace. And yet the pivot point for this verse is as you trust in him. And so just bringing that together, like, what does this look like, Lord? Because to be honest, faith has always seemed a little ethereal to me. Like, I know that I'm in the faith. I know that I have placed my faith in God for my salvation. But what does it look like to really activate my faith? And so I've just kind of been thinking about this premise of faith is a noun, but trust is a verb. Faith something I have, but trust is something that I do. And that really becomes powerful. Because I don't know about you, but I know when I'm trusting him and I know when I'm not. And so I've longed to write this book for 20 years. And and yet, for whatever reason, God kept asking me to let it go and trust him, which was actually the working title, Letting Go and Trusting God. So when finally five years ago, I felt the release to write the book, I thought it would just like come out so easily, fully formed, powerful, you know. And instead, it's been this journey of trust to actually write the message of trust because it's so big and I didn't want it to be just kind of a Band-Aid statement, you know, kind of like what we do with each other, you know, when we're not the one going through the hard time, we're like, oh, just trust God, honey. He knows what's going on. But when we're in the middle of our own difficulty, coming by trust and really developing that deep-rooted trust is difficult. And so I've just been praying that the Lord would make this, would help me somehow help people build a platform of trust that that's on the, on the rock of Jesus Christ, rather than the shifting sand of circumstance. That is so powerful. I, and I know, I mean, just really for me on a personal level, I've had the opportunity in the last year to go through this program called Regeneration Recovery. And really looking at the roots of some of my stuff that I've kind of held on to for a long time. And the biggest thing that I struggled with is trust. 
I had a lot of fear of, of failure, fear of rejection, you know, fear of other people's opinions. And I had kind of put those things up as idols in my life. And I was allowing those things to prevent me from really actually trusting God. And it was unfortunate because I've been a Christian my whole life. I've, like you've said, I've had faith my whole life. And I'm thankful that I've had that as a, that's a huge gift. But I was able to see that, man, I'm missing out on the, the richness of my relationship with God when I lean onto these other things that don't satisfy. If only, if only, you know, if anything, they actually make your life more stressful. And so just, I love that again, letting go and, and then now holding on to God. So I want to kind of speak on, speak on that letting go piece. You kind of mentioned that there's these idols that we kind of have in our lives. Maybe if you would share some strategies to uh, get rid of those idols, I would really appreciate that. Well, you know, idolatry is all through the word of God. Sometimes we think it was an Old Testament problem, but even in the New Testament, it said flee idolatry. Well, and in New Testament times, it was very visible. So they were, especially those that were scattered by persecution, they often found themselves in multi-pagan, you know, multi-God uh, cultures. And so they had to learn how to hold on to the one true God. Well, idolatry today in our realm is not as easily identified, you know, but I, I like what Beth Moore said. She says, idolatry is anything I'm looking to for satisfaction rather than God, anything I'm looking to for, for meaning. And I was just like you, Melissa, even though, you know, <laughs> I laugh and say, I really have no reason for my dysfunction. You know, I was raised in this wonderful home, grace-filled home and a grace-filled church. But my nature, not, not my nurture, but my nature made me think that, well, I was received by Jesus, by grace. The rest was up to me. And so I was working hard, working hard for God's approval, but also, like you mentioned, the approval of man. And it was almost like I was holding a mirror up to people and say, tell me who I am. Tell me that I'm okay. And as a result, you know, if they were having a rough day, then it was my fault, you know? And um, and even now, you know, as an author, your your self-worth can rise and fall on the numbers and the popularity and is my new book selling or not? And you, you just, without realizing it, they can become little idols. And even sometimes our work for Jesus can become an idolatry because I always say the call is fancy food for the flesh. And so the Lord in his mercy often confounds those idols that we look to for meaning. And he refuses to let them satisfy us at least for very long. And I'm so glad for that. But in the book, in that chapter called Smashing Idols, I just talk about how do we do that? Well, I think first of all, it's just asking the Holy Spirit, is there anything that is trying to usurp God's place in my heart? And I love how, the Holy Spirit is so kind. He shines the spotlight of heaven. But if we're if we're living from this works-based mentality, thinking we have to earn God's favor, which I think is can almost be another idolatry, the idolatry of God, where we're like, I've got to work the system so I can get God to give me the goodies, you know? And so just going, Lord, what what is that thing? And when he does it, I found that when I'm when I'm operating from that place of grace rather than works. Then when he reveals, I realize, okay, yeah, I don't want that anymore, Lord, forgive me. Maybe we're looking to um, our children 
to give us meaning, our marriage, our position, our, our influence to give us meaning. And that without realizing it can become an idol. And so I've had to many times as the Holy Spirit shine, shown the light, just go, okay, okay, Lord, I agree. This is be, has way too much influence, too much. Um, I, I like what Timothy Keller says. If that idol was taken away, you don't know if you could even live, right? I think that's a good way to identify that idolatry in our, our, our hearts. And when he does put his finger, just confess it as sin. And rather than believing the lie that we are our sin and then going into condemnation and self-hatred. No, 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 no. Just Jesus reveals so he can heal. And so agree with the diagnosis. And then I think just renounce any power that you've given. I know, um, I know there've been things in my life where I, I have really believed that is the thing I have to have in order to be happy. Well, I'm, I'm again, looking to that thing for, for meaning rather than Jesus. And then just demolishing those lies and, and enthroning Jesus at that place. Say, Lord, I've, I've looked to my friendships to give me meaning. And now my, the need, my need of approval is being very, you know, I always say he, the removal of approval uh, really revealed some idolatry in my life. And then I think um, just, just worshiping the Lord there, enthroning him there and say, Lord, forgive me. I've looked to other things rather than you. And I love that the Lord is so gracious to help us do that. You know, if we just honestly say, I don't want to cling to anything but you. And if that means laying down these things, I know early in ministry, I, I had to lay down my need of success. I had to even doing big things for Jesus because one part of me wanted it to be for Jesus, but the other part needed it to be for me. Right. And laying that down and just even dying to some of the dreams that I've had and just saying, Lord, I just want to want you. And he's been so faithful to help me. I, I think one of the biggest things that I learned from your, the first book I read of yours, Mary Hart and Martha World, was that God just wants me. And I think that once I was able to really embrace that, and now this is kind of like the next level up where it's like, okay, I can just be with God and he loves me for who I am, who he's created me to be without all the things I'm doing or that I've done. And that unconditional love is, is kind of primary, I think. But then it's like, then you need to level up to that trust where it's like, okay, if I can trust that you love me, that you have my best in mind, then I can, I can really rest on you instead of these other things that I'm trying to put my trust in. Um, and I just, I love that. And I think it's something that it's a daily thing we have to do. It's not just a like one and done type thing that we have to every single day decide, this is how I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna choose to lay down these other things. Uh, one of my favorite verses is in Hebrews 12, and it says, um, therefore, because of this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance with the race marked out for us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And I, I think it's it's that exchange where we have to lay down those idols that we've clung to for so long so that we actually can run our race well. Um, anyway, so that's been a huge gift to me. I wanna kind of talk, you know, you talk about this letting go process, but then now clinging to God. So, you know, holding on to him. So, you know, what are some practical ways that we can begin doing that? What does that look like in the day to day? Well, I talk a lot about in the first part of the book, um, just all in surrender. 
because I do think a lot of us, you know, uh, while we've given our heart to Jesus, the rest of us is going out with other guys, you know, like we're, or we're wanting to cling to control. It's like, okay, I trust you for heaven, but I've got it, Lord. I can do life on my own. And as a real, as a, as a, um, as a result, our halfway surrender ends up in a halfway trust. And so I really, really believe that until we fully surrender, we can't really fully trust because we're still clinging to control. And I've just found that um, as I walk out that surrender, for me, there was, you know, and I have to be careful. I don't want to transpose my experience on everyone. But, you know, after 40 years in ministry, I have just seen that again, that halfway surrender lives in, comes, you know, results in that halfway Christian life. And it seems like a lot of people just really struggle, you know, because the enemy has his, you know, our foot in one in the world and one foot in heaven. And so going all in with Jesus doesn't mean that I never struggle, but it's almost like realizing, okay, I belong to you. So you can do whatever you want with my life. And because I am all in with you and I'm giving you full control, then I know, I know that you're going to redeem even the worst that the enemy comes against me with. And so that's where I let go and surrender. And then I can hold on in faith because I'm not holding on in faith for an outcome. And isn't that kind of what we do? I trust you, God, for this specific outcome. And then when he doesn't do the specific outcome, then we've got all sorts of trust issues that rise up because wait a minute, I really believed you. And and I want to be, I want to be tender to that because I've experienced it too. There are some things that I know that I know were from God, things that I felt very called to that at least in, from my point of view did not go well. And it's like, wait a minute. I, I obeyed you, and yet I sort of felt a little hung out to dry, Lord. What was all that about? And, you know, I've just had to learn that my obedience is not to get an outcome. My obedience is simply obedience, and the outcome is his. And the one thing that's been kind of beautiful is to realize, oh, I'll re- I'm willing to do hard things, and even if I don't get the results, Lord, that's okay. And how freeing that is. And so when we relinquish, when we empty our hands, I believe then he's able to fill them with himself. He's, and we're able to hold on in faith to him. And I don't know, it's just, um, I write in the book about how even this journey of writing this book, which I thought was going to be so easy and it turned out to be so hard, even in the struggle, he's revealed so much to me and he's done like, I don't even know, like this completely new thing inside of me to where it's like, okay, I don't have to see and I don't have to understand to believe that you are good and that you are working all things together for my good. And how freeing is that? Because then that means that nothing really can touch my life that is outside of his control that he can't use, like turn the plots of the enemy on its head to actually 
do things for his good and for my good and especially for his glory. And I, oh, I wish I could express it, Melissa, because my heart is so full. But I really believe that that trust opens up treasure untold to us. It, 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 it enables us to have a God-sized faith, you know, rather than a, you know, a Joanna result faith that God, I have faith for this outcome. All of a sudden I'm like, I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I know you're going to do it, Lord. And I think that's the thing that like, I've had to really process through in my life too, is like having seasons of life where um, immense loss and grief. And you're like, I just don't understand. And sometimes we won't, you know, sometimes we won't understand, but I now, you know, hindsight's 2020, I can look back and see how God has used those things now, those experiences now, because when I face other things, I'm able to look back and say, God got me through that. And if he can get me through that, he can get me through this. And trusting and knowing that he does have a plan, right? We don't understand. We may make our plans, but God is the one that kind of directs the specific path. And I think for me to be able to trust that like what you've said, you know, trusting in God for who he is and trusting on his character, not trusting for an outcome, which again can become an idol in itself. I think, I think the thing that we don't fully understand is what we've been given in Jesus. You know, it was distrust that got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden of Eden, but I believe trust is the key back to the garden of Eden, you know? So we can take partake of the tree of life. And so operating from that place of rather than trying to earn God's favor, that all of a sudden is this beautiful relationship that we're invited into um, and the intimacy of the garden. I think that that's probably the sweetest thing in a lot that I write about in my books is just, you know, that we've been invited to this sweet relationship. And one of the things I love is I feel like God. Well, it's first Peter three, one, I believe that says God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Like if we only understood, like he's done it all, but how do we apprehend that? How do we access all of the glorious riches that ours is ours in Christ Jesus? And I think for the first thing is just cultivating that intimate friendship with the Lord. And sometimes, you know, it, you, life gets busy. Um, things happen. We're wounded. Our hearts get cold. We kind of slowly drift away from the Lord. And I've just found just uh, just a simple prayer. Lord, help me want to want you more, right? Because I have discovered that apart from him, I really can do nothing. Like I can't even pursue a relationship without the father first drawing me. And so asking the Holy spirit to increase our hunger, you know, sometimes we go to the word and it's just so dry and it's like, we're doing it as a duty, but this is the living word of God and he wants to make it come alive. And so um, coming to our quiet times, coming to our time in the word with the Holy spirit leading and guiding us into all truth. I think, filling our homes with worship, you know, creating an atmosphere of worship, whether it's um, worship music or um, the word on, you know, uh, on our U version, reading the word to us as we're doing the dishes or podcasts like yours, um, soaking in scripture. This one thing has revolutionized my life because I always thought, you know, in order to be a good Christian, you had to read three chapters a day, get through the Bible in a year, and then you'll get the gold star in heaven and you will be a bona fide Christian. And 
Uh, so that just set me up to fail, you know? And when I learned how to approach scripture differently, reading less so I could reflect more, all of a sudden the word became alive. And oh my goodness, when the word starts coming alive, and I don't mean like every day, I'm like, Oh, that was amazing. But there are enough moments like that where God speaks by his Holy Spirit through his word that, and then I journal it back to him. Um, it's become a living dialogue that has just been so powerful. But I think one of the other things, especially when it comes to trust, when it comes to laying down idols, it's remaining tender to the checks and the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Um, part of trusting him, you guys, is saying, you get to to say what goes and what doesn't go, Lord. And there are some things that God doesn't allow me to do that other people seem fine doing. But for me to cultivate that tenderness and that intimacy with the Lord, I've got to remain tender to him and trust that he puts boundaries on my life for a reason. So those are some of the things that we can do to just, you know, keep, keep spiritual maintenance in our heart. That is so powerful. I mean, <laughs> I think there's just, there's so much richness. Obviously, if, if, you've, if you're listening right now and you haven't picked up a copy of the book, I would encourage you to. Just the little bit that we've touched on today is just a small morsel of the goodness that's in there. Um, I wanna touch on what you just said about spending time um, reading less and reflecting more. That's been one of the biggest things in my spiritual life recently. Um, I've been doing a version plan called um, Harmony of the Gospels in 30 Days. And I love it because it's very condensed kind of chronological look at the life of Jesus. And it's that slow mulling over his life that it just really points out very clearly the things that he wants me to do in mine. And it's something that it takes that intentionality of doing it every day. But like you said, it's not just for a checklist. It's just to to know him more um, and just to imagine what it would have been like to walk with him through life, you know? So I just, I so love it. I love your book so much. Um, if you wouldn't mind maybe sharing, you know, how can we continue following you going forward? Um, you know, maybe website, social media, um, and maybe some last thoughts that you have for listeners. Sure. Well, I'd love to connect with everyone over at Facebook or Instagram at Joanna Weaver Books is how you can find me. Um, but also my website, joannaweaverbooks.com. We've got, you can learn more about the book as well as my other books and Bible studies. Um, we are going to be, Lord willing, we're going to be releasing a video study to go with the 10 sessions uh, study that's in the back of the book in November, probably early December. So um, would love to have people check out that. But then I I do have a podcast as well, The Living Room with Joanna Weaver, and I get to in interview guests like you do. And I've just loved that as a resource for people as well. And when it comes to a last thought, I, I just want to circle back to the title of your podcast again, Faith, Hope, and Love. And that word hope, because honestly, Melissa, I've really struggled with that word. I really have. Um, I'm like, that even feels more ethereal to me than faith because I think I have a very Americanized view of hope. Like I hope it turns out or, oh, I hope we get to go to Disney World, you know, or whatever that is. Um, but I found a definition of hope that I just really think dovetails with trust. It's the joyful anticipation of something good. And again, I would just encourage us not hope in an outcome, but hope that God is going to work it all. He's going to work it all together for good. And 
I've just come to appreciate a little snippet of an old Orthodox prayer. It says, teach me to treat all that comes to me with peace of soul and with firm conviction that your will governs all. And when I'm tempted to spin out of fear or get frustrated because things aren't going my way or something breaks down or something derails my plans, just to stop and say, Lord, I trust you. And then to repeat that saying, teach me to treat all that comes to me with peace of soul and firm conviction that your will governs all. And I'm just telling you, Melissa, that God of hope fills me with joy and peace as I learn how to trust in him. And I interrupt that fear cycle by just saying, I trust you, Lord. Wow, that was powerful <laughs> and perfect, perfect way to tie a little bow on our time together. I just so appreciate you sharing so much from um, God's word and from your life and just um, pouring your heart and your soul into this book. And again, if you're listening, you can always pick up a copy. It's available now. Basically everywhere books are sold, embracing trust, the art of letting go and holding on to a forever faithful God. Again, that's by Joanna Weaver. So thank you so much, Joanna, again, for spending time with us today. And um, I'm praying that God would just continue to use your book and your story to impact so many people for his kingdom. Thank you. And I'm praying the same for your ministry as well, Melissa. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you everyone that's listening. I'll see you very soon.